Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever you are tuning in from, we would like to welcome you to the Unmeasured Podcasting Experience where we truly believe the journey to eudaimonia starts with one measure step at a time. I'm your host, Derek Charles. And I am your host, Abdil, also known as Buddy. What's up, buddy? Derek, how's it going? It's going good, man. How you doing? It's going good. It's going good. Yeah. I'm doing good. I'm doing fabulous. I'm doing fantastic. Fabulous. That's a new one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. I'm expanding my vocabulary, and today we're on episode 10, so this is a, a milestone. Um, a major milestone. major milestone. One of many. A testament to our consistency. huh? One of many. One of many. Yeah, we're going to keep it going from one milestone to the next. Exactly. Exactly. You know? So how was your week? It was good, man. It was good. It was good. Um, this week we we got some announcements that we are going to be ramping it up, trying to turn us from a startup to a real company. We've been trying to do this for a while, but um, they have officially lit the fire uh, underneath us. So there's some things that we need to get across the table. We're getting great feedback from potential customers. Now we just need to solidify the product and and just get it get it going. You know, next time you see me, I may be on the cover of some magazine, you know, young, handsome man, take startup to the next level or something like that. That'll probably be the headline. Let's go. If not you, then who? Exactly. Emphasis on the handsome. So, uh, <laughs> so that's happening. Well, well done. Congrats. Keep up the great work. You know, keep putting up, keep your foot on the gas. Exactly. Right? You don't let up when, uh, you know, when the, when things are going good. That mm-hmm. means you let them know like, hey, we were, we were preparing for this moment and we're going to take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. You know, the only way is up. Exactly. And then, you know, it's going to take me from, it's definitely going to put me in a new zone. Definitely going to take me out the comfort zone into into the next into the next zone. So um, Auto zone? Comfort zone to auto zone? <laughs> that was actually funny. That was good. I don't know. I I that was that. cheesy, but that was the first thing that came. <laughs> That was good. That was good. That caught me off guard. I was not expecting auto zone. <laughs> you know they're going to have to pay you now, now that you've mentioned them in the episode. But um, I'm waiting for that check. It exactly. might be already. It might be waiting a yeah. while. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, on top of that, I'm gonna move this uh next week. So that's gonna be interesting. So a couple things going nice. on. Nothing I can't handle, but a couple things going on. How was your week, man? Week was good. Actually, just yesterday, um had a really good conversation with one of our leaders. And um it was it was one that was really thought provoking and um, really opened up my perspective. You know, obviously, you know, I'm an engineer, uh, individual contributor, and I've been an individual contributor for some time now. And, you know, for me, my perspective is, you know, leadership exists at every level. Mm-hmm. So even as an individual contributor, you know, I truly believe in this idea of like extreme ownership, right? And when you extremely own the ideas, the actions that that are connected to you, right? That's a decision that you're making, right? So you have the ability to, dictate, you know, the direction that the projects that you're navigating yep. or the the conversations you're having get to dictate which direction it goes in based on the words you choose, the actions that you take. Um, so, you know, he challenged me to really um, look at it from a perspective of, you know, yes, your leadership is at every level, um, but there is a there is this mindset of if 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 this is something that you're passionate about, mm-hmm. don't delay it you know, walk into it and start the process so that when the time comes, you can really, you know, be in the best position to seize the opportunity. Yeah, that makes um, sense. So it's, it's been good. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, part of what we do here is, you know, we take everything in stride. 
we look for fine counsel, counsel when we do make decisions like this. And luckily for us exactly. today, we have somebody who's been practicing leadership since longer than most people that I know, Malachi. Mr. Freeman. So I must say, you know, this guy is a brother to me. He's a mentor. Um, I've known him for over 10 years at this point. He's been in the tech industry for over 20. And since I, the first time I met him, he was put in a position to solve problems, to execute. Um, there was, right, he proved and showed up in a way that allowed the team and the people who relied on him to feel uh, a level of trust, knowing that they would get through the challenges that existed at the time. Um, and he's also had the ability to, you know, he's a PC guy, so Providence College, an alumni there, and it also has gotten his MBA in IT leadership. And um, he's also helped us um, with our business. So our time at, you know, my time at Johnson was and, and us running a business together. Um, he really stepped in and grabbed the reins and showed us what leadership truly looked like, right? From fancy dinners and like how to take care of your team, yeah. how to create culture team to, you know, to morale, yep. to, you know, leading by example. Um, truly a practitioner of excellence. You know, it's my favorite term, but when I see it, you know, I got to speak it. So without further ado, I would like to introduce my good friend, good brother, the leader of this generation, Mr. Malachi Freeman. Malachi, how's it going, brother? It's going great, man. What a what an intro, man. That, that is, yeah. I'm honored to get such an intro. Absolutely. Like <laughs> it's not every day you, you know, get introduced a, that way. Yeah. <laughs> I felt the same way when you came onto the team. It's not every day that we got a meal. You know, buddy was a little stingy with your money to... to, to <laughs> <laughs> Until you came on and started talking about Team Morale. <laughs> so, so Malachi, um, you know, again, I, I know you, Derek knows you, but for our listeners, this is the first time they're, you know, learning about you, hearing from you. Um, just tell us about, you know, your journey up to this point. You know, give us a synopsis of why our listeners should be uh, you know, turning off their TV, turning off any, you know, the radio in the background um, and why they should tune into the conversation we're about to have based on your journey up to up to date. No, no. Yeah, that's good. Good. Uh, definitely good segue to kind of talk about myself a little bit here. Uh, you know, my journey is, is no different, at least in my opinion, is it's very similar to a lot of young African-American men, you know, who immigrant men, I should say. Right. Who, who travel to America with their family looking for a better life, uh, you know, better opportunities and things like that. My family originally came from Ghana. Um, you know, we came here looking for better opportunities. And through that process, I, I was able to network and meet up with a lot of different people, uh, get a wealth of experience in the tech world. Um, and then as I began to develop myself, I look forward towards, you know, helping others like myself get to a, you know, a certain position where they can kind of, uh, mentor others and, and continue to pass on um, the, the knowledge and, and the guidance um, so that we can continue to build. Yeah. Uh, I, I started my, my career mainly in or my, my journey in the tech space really at a young age. Um, my, my first computer my mother bought for me, a uh, similar story that a lot of people have, right? I, I broke it. We didn't really have a lot of money. And she said, I have to fix it. Yeah. That's what started the whole tech journey because oh, wow. I had no choice but to fix the one computer that my mom bought. Yeah, because you weren't getting and another one. So <laughs> exactly, this is it. Exactly. exactly. And I think I think it's a test. 
I think it's a testament to, um, you know, at young ages, the impact that parents can have on the development of your child by doing just those little things, right? On those small little lessons. But go ahead, Malachi, continue. Yeah, absolutely. So she spent her last dollar for that. I cried for that computer. So when it broke, she, you know, she said, you, you, you got one option. You know, you're either going to fix it. I can't it imagine you crying. Are you an ugly crier? I'm, I'm trying to picture Malachi I'm, cried. You know, <laughs> I, I, I don't really cry a lot, but I, I don't think I'm an ugly crier. I'm one of those people that cries and internalizes the cry. You'll see tears dropping down the eyes, but you really won't see anything crazy. Mm, like, I, can, cry. I can picture that. Uh, let's just be like, <laughs> let the song cry. Deep, 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 uh, you know, looking at you in, in your soul while the tears are just falling down my eyes. That's a little eyes. scary, Malachi. That, um, that picture, that paint, that picture <laughs> that you're painting is a little, is a little scary. <laughs> but not to derail you. So yeah, bringing it back to, you know, yeah, so through through then I started reading up on on you know the computers and how uh, the circuit board works and, and you know how the motherboard works um, and the, the CPU GPU everything like that and I was able to fix my own machine and then from then on I started actually just diving deeper in learning about programming languages and and what that stuff was all about I started helping my neighbors with their computers and they started yeah. calling me at some point for assistance and I kept diving deeper 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 this was way back in the day right windows 98 days mm-hmm. and yeah. me and you know way before nt times right yeah. um, and now then you, now you're journey to <laughs> yeah <that's, laughs> show my age a little bit I'm not too too old but also not too young uh, but I continue that same path through middle school and then through high school and, and college and in college, you know, I, I continued and worked in their IT department there at Providence College, yeah. where I continued to hone in my skills, network, and then got a few internships. And then the journey just kept moving, 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 working for bigger companies and continue to develop my skills. And, yeah. you know, fast forward now I'm here and, you know, I'm excited to be on this podcast with you guys. You know, right now I'm working for a technology company out in Boston, um, it's an IT firm where we, we handle outsourced IT for other companies. You know, so if you have a small business, big business, large business, whatever enterprise, and you want to outsource your IT department, your entire IT department, you know, we can we can take that off your hands and, and save you some money as well, and you get a whole team behind you. That and, that can, and that's uh, a big that's a big that. undertaking. So how many people? Just give people a picture of how many people that you actually manage. Um, so there's about. I want to say there's at least like 30 something plus people that are part of the team that I'm on. I, there used to be a time where there was one uh, one group of uh, or one department that I had to direct reports. Mm-hmm. And then as I moved into a higher role, the direct reports aren't necessarily direct reports, but they're more indirect reports. Yeah. So now everybody yeah. kind of rolls up. Yeah. <laughs> so even if you think you're not managing them, they're still kind of looking to you for direction. So, you know, the entire company right now, I think we're we're not too small we're not too big we're about 100 plus employees and then we have some partners that we work with but you know i have engineering team i have a project team a project management team um, and then other individuals middle management that i work with as well uh, i work with our our senior executives um, from time to time i'm invited to some of those meetings to talk strategy and, yep. and uh, discuss uh, what's coming in the future and how we can better prepare ourselves to deal with anything uh, coming down the pipeline you 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 basically work with everybody at the company. It sounds like you you described every so my, position. Yeah. yeah, 
No, you're, you're, that, that's, you know, my, my job or my current role right now is director of uh, operations for our managed services. Mm-hmm. And from the operational standpoint, you know, you can't be anywhere in the operational space and not understand, you know, every piece of the business, right? Because operations, true. It, it touches every, every part of the business, every yeah. department. You have to understand how every department interacts with each other departments and how one department's uh, success can impact the others or one's department's failures can then create a ripple effect for all the other departments uh, to either be successful or, or to, yeah. to you know, fail. And, and just to highlight that, you know, a lot of people, I'd say most grown adults have been in relationships before where they're just trying to manage a relationship with one person, right? And here you are trying to do it with 30. And that doesn't just happen overnight. So talk about what influences, you know, what, albeit early childhood, you know, young adult stage, that really got you into thinking about leadership? That's that's an excellent question. Um, you know, I have to put my disclaimers out there right? because I did just talk about my company. So I had to make sure everybody understands that anything I'm saying right now is my opinion and my opinion alone. I don't speak for my company. I don't represent them in this particular sense. So I got to throw those disclaimers out there, you know, legal stuff. Those are things you, you kind of learn as you move up into into the, yeah. the management space. When you you got to get you're making the big stuff moves. out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you protect the assets and everybody else around you, you know, keep them shielded from, from certain things. But, you know, to your question, right, excellent question. I, I think what really got me uh, started in a leadership uh, uh, or mindset and thinking about it was, was truly my mother. Um, it goes back that far. And, and most people don't think about it this way, but, you know, parents are essentially your first form of, of a leadership or a role model or someone in a leadership position because they have the guidance. Um, and the reason why my mother was that leadership uh, or leader for me and gave me those examples was, you know, we, as I said earlier, we came, we migrated from Ghana to America, right? My mother and I, we came, you know, divorced, family thing didn't work out, marriage didn't work out. Uh, she was became a single mother, barely spoke the language, and she had to jump in and figure it out, right? So right then and there, you already got some leadership qualities, right, where she took full accountability, full responsibility, and she jumped in head first, not knowing anybody. It's like sink or swim. Like exactly. We swim, sink or swim. Make she our was way thrown through. into the fire. Yeah. And she, she, she jumped in as a leader, you know, and, you know, she kept a straight face all the time. Never let me see her, um, you know, cry. I could hear it, but she never let me see her cry. You know, she always yeah. pretended as if everything was all right. And that's what leaders do, right? In times of hardship, you have a team that's that's with you. You gotta always maintain that that face and, and that calm, um, and, and keep your your team focused on on the goal and not let them see you sweat because the moment they see that, you know, they they, they get nervous as well, and you know things yeah. kind of tend to go sideways. And you're talking about poise there. There's a there's a lot of poise in what I'm what I'm hearing from you in the sense of you need to maintain your poise so that your direct report to whoever is looking at you as a as a um, person of influence also can maintain, you know, being relaxed and, and uh, maintaining their poise as well. But that's just one of the many things that make an effective leader. So talk about some of the other attributes that you recognize in some of the effective leaders that you've been with and some of the things that you resonate in your leadership skills. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you take uh, someone like, uh, you know, when I lived, I lived in Newark, uh, Newark, New Jersey. This was during a time when things weren't as great as they are now. There's a lot of challenges, like many other states, you know, gang violence, things like that. 
uh, one leader that really it stood was out. There. Yes. It yeah. was rough. It was more than know, rough. One leader. Political correct. It's more than rough. Yeah. I mean, you know, I gotta I gotta I don't wanna <laughs> scare people from going there. It's a great place, you know. Yeah. But it's better now. Yeah. It's definitely yeah, better. Before much, 6 much PM. better now, but you know even even now there as you if people are freely walking around 6 p.m and i think it's a beautiful sight to see when when i was there when you when the lights went out street lights went out you had to you know second guess do you really want that extra slice of pizza at 6 p.m or 7 p.m or you know you want to stay in your house and maybe stay alive for for another day or keep your wallets (laughs) in your pocket yeah exactly exactly but you know one of the leaders that stood out at the time, gentleman by the name of Cory Booker, he was running for, I believe, mayor at the time. Um, yeah. and, and this was you know, a time where, like I said, the gang violence was just out of control. And, you know, what he was preaching at the time was, you know, contradictory to what the gangs were trying to do. Right. It was counter counterproductive or counterintuitive. And it went against everything and basically derailed the gang's business in a sense, the drug dealing and all of that fun stuff. He was, he was preaching a, he was cracking uh, a down. story yeah. of cracking down and stopping all of that stuff. Um, and, and this guy, you know, he spoke with such confidence and, and he was fearless. And then that was that was something that I thought was incredible. When I say fearless, I mean, he was getting death, threat, death threats, you know, uh, by these gang members during his campaign. And what he did every day was impressive. He woke up every day. He lived in the neighborhood that he was getting death threats from where the gang members were there. He woke up every day and he went for a run. He jogged in the same neighborhood. You know, he had no fear. I mean, and, and that's that's incredible, right? As a leader. And that's, that's rare. That's very, it's very rare. Yeah. It's very rare. Most most leaders are, are leaders behind a computer and, you know, can't do anything else. They're, they're, I think mm. Or in a castle somewhere. It, and, you know, you're trying to fix problems that you really don't know about because- You've never even been in space or uh, in that area, you know? So it's like, yeah, you know, from a high level, you you know the problems, you hear about the problems, but to really create the uh, the right solutions, to right size the solutions for the problems that exist, you have to be there to see what's going on and how the different people move in a certain way for you to make those decisions. Um, so I can, I can commend that, right? Because especially if he's doing that in Newark, you know, it's especially if you're calling out different gangs, you know, that kind of puts a target on your back. And um, it just speaks to like the level of faith as well that he had to have to to understand that he was doing something that was greater than himself. And he wasn't going to let, you know, these different organizations and groups stop him from executing on that vision. Absolutely. And he was consistent, persistent, and he persevered. Uh, through it all. So that for me, that was that was just like phenomenal. Right. You know, he and that's that's kind of when we talk about the characteristics of being yeah. a leader. Right. You, you, it's hard to be a leader if you don't really know what's going on. Some leaders say, oh, you know, we don't want to get in the weeds of things. But, yeah. I mean, the weeds of things is where you find out where your team is struggling, where your team needs your guidance, exactly. where your team needs your help. And you can really put yourself in your team's shoes and understand, OK, these are the things, the challenges that are ahead of them. I'm not just barking orders, but I actually know what they're going through, and then I can put together the right the right strategy for them and guide them, and, and you know, and continue to push them and, and drive them towards the end goal at the end yeah. of the day. So, and, and it, it, now that we're talking about it, it feels like it should be a requirement that every leader does like 
maybe an internship or what it, they call it shadowing too of the people that they're going to be managing to kind of see what their day-to-day looks like. I think sometimes yeah. we're so far removed that we don't get to do, um, we don't get to be effective leaders because we're removed from what the people are actually doing. So maybe it's, it, for me, I think it'll be extremely beneficial, but you're not always afforded those moments. Um, but if you can do it and you have the opportunity to do it as a leader, I would highly suggest it. And so, and, and so we jump from there we 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 got some we got some good leadership qualities here going right we got poise we got fearlessness uh fearlessness oh, wow fearlessness yeah. right <laughs> and then we we have somebody who's you know willing to get into the weeds um with the people that he's going to lead now we have all of these attributes we're on the unmeasured show and one of the things that we like to do is quantify right so how can we measure um some of these things to kind of get a Kind of get a gauge of how effective of a leader are you? That's that's a that's a good question, and I and I think, you know, in order to measure anything, you have to first understand what the end goal is and what what is what is what what does this what is your success criteria, right? What does the success criteria looks like? So if the success criteria is I have this group of people and I need to get them over a hill that's twenty miles long. Right. And that measure is, OK, well, the goal is to get them 20 miles, make sure they can all track track to 20 miles and get over that hill. That becomes that measure. So it really comes down to what it is the, the, the goal is in order to actually truly define or figure out how you're going to measure that. Right. So with your team, once you set the goal, once you set the uh, you know, or the challenge or whatever it is that you want to set, you measure it. A successful leader is able to get their team across that finish line uh, using all the characteristics and the qualities that, that I, I've laid out, right? Unsuccessful leaders will not be accountable. They won't, they won't be persistent. They, they, they won't jump in head first. They'll only be barking orders and, and riding their team as they're struggling. And they won't be in front of the lines, right? They'll be behind their team. They won't see what's coming yeah. You know, instead they rely on the team to just do everything and then tell them when it's when it's ready and when it's done. Those let me know it, when we get the victory. Yeah, so if you can imagine that you're exactly. Yeah, you know, let me know when we get there. You know, or or, or let me know. They'll sometimes they'll say some leaders will say, "Let me know when you need help." But when you go for help, they have no idea how to help you because they don't really know what's happening up front. They don't see anything. They don't have any vision. Uh, so the, in right. order to be able to uh, get to that finish line. Uh, because that's the end goal, right? You know, to get that finish line, you lose all those characteristics. And if you are able to get to the finish line, then the success criteria, right? You've reached that success criteria. You can measure that and say, all right, cool. I was able to get there. But if you don't get there, then you kind of reassess and be like, okay, where where did I fail here? How did I, where did I fail my team? Because a leader is, another, in another sense, a leader is a, a server, like a servitude. You're, you're in service yeah. to your team, right? Uh, so where did you fail in, in guiding your team? What characteristics held you back? Was it were you too prideful? Uh, were you too fearful? Did you not have a, a, a strategy or did you not have a vision? Uh, you, did you fail to motivate your team? So those are the things that, that um, you know, you can you can you can measure for sure. Uh, motivation, right, is something you can measure. At what point do you want to do that self-assessment? Is that after you've you know, you've missed a goal or is there some way to kind of recognize you know, halfway there, I'm not going to get there. Let me kind of do some kind of, 
reassessment of myself, my leadership skills, and then make that change. So as a leader, in my opinion, you're constantly making an assessment, right, of, of yourself and your team, because you have to know where your team is at at all times. You have to be able to detect when your team's about to, when there's a burnout coming. Are they are they burnt out? Earlier you talked about, you know, you talked about how, you know, I, I introduced having dinners and improving team morale. Well, that's because I was assessing the entire team and I was seeing and reading, getting feedback mm-hmm. from the team and reading how the team dynamic was, was, was going. And it's, you know, with some understanding of how people are and human behavior, you understand that sometimes you got to give rewards in order to get a certain, you know, outcome sometimes you got to praise people sometimes you got to be firm and stern and and and, and do certain things so throughout the entire process right you observe the team to see where they are in turn and and how far you are from your goal and then you make a decision of what you need to do right so you're constantly measuring and assessing the team as a leader and you're assessing yourself too at the same time because how you're moving and how you're reacting and how you're presenting yourself impacts the overall dynamic of the team and, and the morale of the team because they're looking to you uh, for guidance at the end of the day. So it's, it's a constant, constant assessment. And are there particular tools that you like to use to kind of measure or assess the velocity or the progress of your team? Because oftentimes we, we, I think people get the general idea, but sometimes, you know, we're, we don't have the right tools in place to, to do so. So what are some of the things that you put in place to actually do that? Yeah. So it, 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 it Take it back to what the goal is. So if, for my particular environment, workspace, we, we like to measure revenue. We like to, uh, and, and then one of the things that, a uh, great example here, one of the things when I was initially put in this position of, of a uh, director of operations was improving our processes and, and improving efficiency and cutting costs. Um, the way I've measured that, you know, when we, we have our uh, onboardings for a new customer, for example, you know, we went from uh, taking, you know, like two months to do a complete onboarding to dropping that down to a month to now we're even more than capable of doing it within two weeks, right? So you measure that, that's that's progress. So what did we change, right? We implemented some automation. Uh, we did some, uh, we cut out some waste and did additional training for the team. And we introduced new tools that will help uh, uh, speed up and accelerate uh, our onboarding process. So I measured that and said, okay, well, we went from uh, two months to a month now, and now we're capable of doing just two weeks. Can I go even lower? Possibly. So how do you measure waste? That's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, I don't know if there's a, necessarily a good way to measure waste without defining what that waste is. Mm. Um, okay. You know, if, if the waste is say waste of resources so you have a good example where i know a lot of people have meetings right you have meetings and and if we're measuring wasted time it's like okay when we're in meetings do we have an agenda do we do we know what the end goal is or are we just having a meeting just to have a meeting to talk about things that we should do and then we schedule another meeting to talk about the things that we didn't do in the previous <laughs> meeting. Agenda. And then we set right. the agenda in another meeting. And then we finally set another meeting to assign tasks and leave everybody with action items. And then we set another meeting to come back and talk about those action items. And then we get another meeting because people are confused about the action items. So now you've got all these meetings, but nothing really got done. <laughs> That's waste. That's wasted time, right? That's just wasted time. So you look at that 
and you 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 have your deadlines, you have your 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 goals and everything, and you're not hitting it, but you observe these these things that are happening, you say to yourself, okay, we're wasting time here. You know, that's waste. So let's cut that out. Um, we did some something similar where we we said, you know, um, we we're not going to have any meetings during the week. All of our meetings will be on Fridays or or Thursday or what have you. And we tried. Yeah. We've 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 manipulated that a bit, and we've changed a few things, but. You know, at the time where we were at the stage in the company, that worked. But then, as you grow as a company, that doesn't always work. You, you have to start meetings. adjusting, yeah. and, and yeah. you need more meetings in some cases because you're bringing on more people. You might need more meetings to uh, better communicate because email is not always the best form of communication. So, that I mean, again, measuring waste is is, is very difficult, right? And you can you can take uh, classes. You get six six sigma. Learn to you know be lean and all that stuff. Where you can easily identify waste. And it all comes down to also understanding the process as well. Right? If you understand the process of what you're doing, then you can identify areas where there's waste and, and cut that out. So I have a question. All right. So if we're going to talk about process, I want to double tap on that. So before okay, we've talked about the business. I want to talk to the individual who's listening to this. And they're struggling with establishing or creating a good process to get them to a place where they can grow 1% better over time. Um, so if there was, you know, someone listening to you right now and asking, hey, Malachi, how could I be an individual individual contributor today? What would I have to do to get to today to get to becoming in a position of being a leader? And what would that process look like for you? Give them a roadmap. If you could. The very first thing that I, I always tell people when when they ask those types of questions is, is I tell them to get the fear of failure out of their hearts, out of their minds, out of their souls. Fail. Fail a lot. Fail as much as you need to. Because the very thing that keeps people from being great is a fear of failure. In many cases, we are conditioned from a very young age through school, through the way we are graded, through the way we are praised to not fail. So we never take chances. We never jump in head first because we are afraid to fail. The only things we tend to um, go after are things that we know without a doubt 100% that we're going to be successful at. Mm -hmm. So then everything else that we haven't tried is left on the wayside and we never know if we were ever going to be successful at, you know, doing those things. So that's one thing I want to make sure that people understand. Like, you know, in order to be a leader, you have to know how to fail. You have to accept failure and you have to know how to analyze failure and move beyond it because that's how you learn and that's how you grow. Um, there's many ways, other ways to grow, but that's a very effective way to grow because when you fail, you realize early, you know, that through through the experience that this path I took didn't work, but I have the opportunity to take another path. And that and then you keep going from there. And that also builds in your ability to make decisions mm. and make decisions rapidly. The more you fail, mm. the the more opportunities you get to to know what works and what doesn't work. And you're able That's to true. think a lot quicker and think on your feet versus folks who have not failed or have been avoiding failure. When a new challenge is presented in front of them, they just cower and hide as opposed to just jumping in and making decisions and being able to put pieces together and, and, and think on their feet. Yeah. So how, that's 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 one thing. How many times do you think it took you to fail and fall flat 
before you finally <laughs> like, you know what? I think I got this. I'm getting the hang of it a little bit. Well, I, <laughs> I, I never have it, right? I, I, my philosophy in life is is to always be less wrong or, or to continue improving. So I never believe I have it. Uh, so when you say how many times, I've never, a lot. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't count, but it was a lot. It's you know, It was a lot. It's a, it, it, it is, is unmeasured. unmeasured. Enough to not know the numbers. <laughs> it, is, exactly. it is unmeasured. And that's the thing. That's the beauty of it. You know, your, your failures can, can are, are great things. And it is through failure that mankind has ended up where we are now. Right. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I mean, I, I I have failed a lot. I still continue to fail. I still yeah. continue to make mistakes. Um, but I embrace them and I accept them because I'm never going to be 100 um, percent at anything that I do. I'm not perfect. No one's ever going to be perfect. But yeah. the goal is to be less wrong. And when you are wrong, you accept it. When you were presented with undeniable truth or uh, indisputable truth, you accept it. You adjust and you move on and you improve. I like that. So let's say due to the let's say due to the failure that you've experienced and gone through, what would you say are three attributes that really stood out? Like in the grand scheme of the failures you've gone through, like getting through those failures, these are three attributes that you look you look to in in a challenging time. Mm, good question. Through those failures, I mean, persistence, right? Persistence when is, is, is an important key. Um, humility. Why? Well, Why persistence, persistence because. Important? Well, because. To you. If to you, you. F- to me, right? Persistence is important to me because one failure can basically derail your entire like morale, mm-hmm. and it can put you in a position where you, you don't even want to try again. Here's a, here's a good example. You you have a um, you can have a boxer that's won every fight, every single fight, and then they lose one fight, but then they don't continue to put in the work because their morale has shifted. They lost that one fight, and now they have a hard time winning fights after, and they just plateau and they keep going downhill from there. Mm-hmm. But you have to be persistent. You have to keep going, going, going. Uh, I don't know if you guys watch MMA, but I saw an excellent example of this was uh, Adesanya. Um, yeah. He's an MMA fighter. He was defeated three times by this other, uh, I forgot the guy's name, but but by this other MMA fighter. And then on he didn't stop, though. He yeah. kept going back at it. He was persistent. Mm-hmm. And then on the fourth time, he took the, he took the belt and he won. Many MMA fighters don't come back after getting knocked out the first time. You know, after losing the fight, they tend to go downhill and they don't come back. I mean, look at Conor McGregor. He's a great, great fighter, Uh, excellent MMA fighter. But and he was very proud and he boasted about his skills. He got beat one time. Look what happened there. He's having a hard time just even coming back into the into the ring. You know? I mean, and nothing against that's the guy. True. I think he's an excellent fighter, but that's just an example of, you know, you have to be persistent. You have to you have to fight yourself more than anything else. Yeah. Um, and get over the the you know, you have your morale kind of be high, continue to believe in yourself and, and keep keep at it, keep sharpening your 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 tools um and, and honing in your skills. And you don't let one setback or you don't let one failure keep you from getting 
to the next to the next level, right? You learn from the failures and you continue to fail. Yeah. You get beat in an MMA fight, you get beat five times. Well, all right, you keep fighting until you win, right? And when you finally win, yeah. guess what? You just found the, the the recipe that actually works for you to defeat that challenge. That might and then be you it. Move on. That might be it. It might just be that might be all you need is the persistence. But uh you got yeah. any other ones that you that you use in those times <laughs> of uh of defeat? That you just call upon, you're like, okay, this is how I'm gonna get through. Um, or after you get through it, you say, this is what it took for me to get through this challenge. Yeah, I mean, med- self reflection is important. Self reflection is is extremely, extremely important. You you have to be able to uh, reflect upon yourself and understand yourself more than anyone else obviously you, you by definition you being yourself understand yourself more than anyone else but being able to reflect on the things you've done and being able to understand why you've done certain things or what caused you to behave in a certain way and 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 you know what's poking you what's triggering you what's what things you need to work on that's really important like yeah. you know because it helps you understand um, the world around you better as well as the, the world that you are in uh, as you are in it um, and ex- learn about your own behaviors and even some of the things that are subconscious that you're not aware of. And it gives you the power to, to instantly stop yourself from doing certain, uh, from bad habits because they say habits yeah. are very difficult to break, but it's through super. self-reflection, mm-hmm. you can identify those bad habits and you you can easily, easily, easily break them. You know, I joke around uh, with with my wife all the time that, you know, whenever I'm feeling angry, I can instantly tell myself to not be angry and I'm done. I'm not angry anymore. That's a superpower. Mm-hmm. That is a superpower. That is. Well, I need to do all types of voodoo to stop me from being angry. <laughs> I need to go to sleep. You don't believe in voodoo here, right? <laughs> I'm not endorsing any voodoo, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's different for every for everyone, but I will commend you on that ability to really just turn off the light switch I think for most of us, it does take some level of um, outside influence to kind of, you know, calm us down. For me, it's sleep. If I'm angry and, you know, I'm taking a nap immediately because that's usually the way to, to calm me down. That's what I've found is the way to calm me down. But then that could potentially lead to nightmares. You know, if you're mm-hmm. mad and now you take those emotions, no, that's not a thing. Mm-mm. No. Okay, okay. Not for me, at least. That's what I'll say. For me, this is just works. <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I'd be sweating. Weird. Like, why is this guy saying? Well, that's, that's that emotional intelligence, right? Yeah. Having that high degree of emotional intelligence. That every, every good or strong leader must have a high degree of emotional intelligence. In, order, in my opinion, right? In my humble opinion, mm-hmm. must have a high level of emotional intelligence in order to be successful as a leader. And I, and I think so. I have a question for you. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. You first. All right, so um, we're talking about emotional intelligence here, and we've talked about how leadership is in you. And one of the things I like to do as a leader, um, I'm so just for disclosure, I'm more of like a empathetic leader, right? I think they they have like these different leadership types. I fall under the servant leadership type. And one of the things I love about being a leader is actually passing down the roles and responsibilities to others, right? So I think there's a part of leadership that is not just guiding people, but also giving them the tools to also become leaders themselves. And I know you've had, you know, myriads of years of being a leader more than than I have. Can you talk about that experience and how you've been able to watch others grow in their leadership? 
Well, I look I look at the two of you as an example. I've been fortunate enough to get a front row seat to see the two of you grow um, from the first day I met uh, Buddy and the first day I met you, Derek. I mean, you, you were all on different paths and then you had different journeys, but you know, and, and I've had conversations with both of you and I more buddy than you because buddy's in the same state as me. So it was a lot easier for me to connect with him. Um, but you know, I've had the opportunity to, to provide, uh, feedback to buddy and guidance. And I've, I've watched him when he has taken my feedback, how that outcome was. And when he has not taken my feedback, how that outcome <laughs> has been. So I've, I've definitely seen that, that, that growth and, and been a blessing or fortunate enough to have that front row seat for sure and you know i think the best part about that again and we talked about this when we had nasa right Mm -hmm. um really good leaders have that ability to be you know to provide grace and be compassionate and empathize right so in times where malachi told me you know gave me guidance and provided his, his suggestions on how i should think about a particular you know challenge or or opportunity versus and then take the action versus me him giving me guidance and me not using it and then me going back like i know we talked about this mm. but yeah you know and then you know he wasn't like i told you so maybe maybe a little bit give me a little i told you jab but at the same time it's like all right, it doesn't matter yeah yeah you know like because you can always learn and it, it goes back to you know if you're gonna fail fail fast yep right and then just make sure you don't fail the same way because then that means you're not learning yeah and you lucky you were probably um one of his favorites because I know Malachi has this thing about prices law where he's just cutting people left and right. <laughs> prices law, yeah. What prices is that? Law. For those who don't know, <laughs> tell them the law, Malachi, the so they know when they're walking into <laughs> your organization. You're gonna put me on a spot, right? Okay, so so prices law, right? Basically, just says that you know, um, it, it's how do how do I I say this? So. It's in, a, in any given kind of work environment or or, or, or anything, activity you're doing, it says that the, the 50% of the work is done by the square root of the number of people or number of uh, folks that are involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're, let's take the number eight, for example, square root would be like a 2.4, 2.3. I could be wrong on that number, but it's it's a two point something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, basically, in a work environment, if you have eight employees, fifty percent of the work is done by the square root of those eight employees. So two and a half people at that at that company is doing fifty percent of the work. Now, if you're talking about being efficient, right? And, and let's be clear, fifty percent of the work in within their environment. So if they're part of marketing team or some yeah. other team. They're doing 50% of the work within that space. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be efficient, well, you know what? You just realize you can cut like <laughs> at least five yeah. people from that team. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. You can cut at least five people or four people from that team. Uh, and uh, 50% of that work will, will still get done. And then the other other person or the other two or you decide to keep can, can take the rest. But that that's prices law. And then I, I respect that, that law. And, yeah. you know, I don't always get my way, but... If I did, you know, if the price would be on your head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, you know, when I start my own business one day, you'll see. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Malachi already fired me from the show and realized there's only one person left. So he needed to, he needed to bring me back. 
But going, so I guess, I mean, since we're talking about efficiency mm-hmm. and you brought that up as it relates to prices law, um, what is the difference to you or from what you've seen in talking, um, you know, to leaders in your space is the difference between efficient and effective? And when does one become more important than the other? Can they both, you know, can they both live in a way that provides great outcome or should one be considered more than the other? All right, I just want to make sure I understand your your, your question properly. You, so you, you want to know the difference between efficiency and effectiveness from a leadership standpoint, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and the difference between you two. All right. Uh, what was the other piece of that question? Where they rank amongst each other. Where they rank amongst each other. Okay. So um, from my viewpoint, you know, an effective leader uh, basically is someone who, who has the the overall high level plan in mind and and has the strategy and then you know here's here's what we do here's a high level blah 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 and that's that mm-hmm. and then the efficient side of the house is more focused on the nitty-gritty these are the details that needs to go into it to get us there um, you know versus the high level speaker um, so when you look at it from 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 the two pieces right I don't think I think when it depends on the task that you're doing and everything has to be a depends kind of situation because effectiveness and efficiency are, it's a balancing game Mm -hmm. to get to where you want to be. There are certain things that call for effectiveness, right? Take, take, uh, take, um, you know, uh, uh, soldiers and, and, and generals in the military, are they focused on being more efficient or more effective when there's people with guns in front of them trying to kill them? Right. And effectively, the leader wants to take out as many as they can. You know, yeah. the efficient leader is trying to look for a kill shot in the head, straight mm-hmm. to the head. But doing that, you risk you're losing your life because you're spending way too much time looking for that target on the head. Bullseye. When you yeah. got you've got so many other yeah. enemies in front of you that you need to take care of. Yeah. So in that case, it's it's better to be effective because you need to in order to get your goal done, you got to take out as many as you can, mm-hmm. right? And then there are yeah. some cases where you might need to be more, you might need to be efficient uh, and, and focus more on the details uh, in order to, to get to the end goal. So is one necessarily more important than the other? No, it just depends on the situation and what the end goal is. And, and you utilize either uh, both to your advantage, depending on what, what it is you need, you want to accomplish. Yeah. So in summary, it sounds like, the effectiveness piece is measured in like kind of like the end result and the efficiency is measured in like the process to get to that end goal. Right. So exactly. Like, exactly. And in, in, in your example, you know, in the, the army example that you just, that you just put together, you know, the end result, get the enemy, but the efficient person is trying to just use only one bullet as opposed. So they're more focused on mm-hmm. how they do it as opposed to whether they exactly. do it or not. Right. So, exactly. And so we've painted, you know, a pretty good picture of leadership, um, but there are going to be times when there's going to be turmoil, right? So as a leader, what are some of those things that you keep in mind in those times of turmoil? Now, what do you mean when you say some of the things I keep in mind? <laughs> in the times of turmoil. Because so, we know so you're like the Terminator, right? Conflict, so you, you, mean? you may have a propensity <laughs> to just fire everybody in times of ter- ter- turmoil. No, so what, no, what are, no. what are the... Um, <laughs> So what are the things that you assess to say, okay, okay, things are going bad. How do I get the team together? How do I make sure things don't get out of control? Yeah. 
So a good leader will always know in advance when things are about to get bad before mm. they get bad, right? This is where I say, especially if you're leading a team, this is where I say the emotional intelligence piece is extremely important because yeah. once you understand your team's dynamic, the behavior, what's going on, you can understand all of their weak points, their strengths and everything. And if from a team standpoint, if things are going bad within the team, you can kind of identify that and, and put a stop to it early on. If, if things are going bad, where it's something that you didn't plan for and it just happened, from that standpoint, you have to now do exactly what my mother did, right? You got to put on that brave face. Mm. You can't look like you're nervous, right? You got to take the reins and you got to have an, an unquenching level of accountability, for yourself and for your team, right? You are the one that's accountable for everything. If one person fails on the team, you've practically failed. It's not that person that failed. You're the leader, you failed, mm -hmm. right? So you need to, when things go wrong, you, you stand up, you don't run, you jump right in front of it, and then you assess the situation and you put together the game plan. Then you give that game plan to your team. And then you talked about giving them the tools necessary, right? You empower them uh, with those with those tools and, and those um um, any any other uh, motivation that you need to give them to get over the challenge that they that they have. You take COVID for example, mm -hmm. right? When we had COVID nineteen. You know, a lot of companies struggled because they've never done work from home. They didn't know what to do, right? So, yeah. great leaders assessed the situation and was like, okay, what assets do I have at my disposal right now? What are my options? Mm -hmm. Right? You had Zoom coming out. You had AWS, Amazon workspaces that are already out. Teams. A lot of different tools. So now yeah. you Teams, right? Slack. So yeah. now you assess that situation and you say, okay, I need my team to be able to communicate with each other while we're remote. What are my tools? I got Teams. Done. Okay. I need my team to be able to work on files remotely do everything I need to do. Well, you know what? SharePoint, Microsoft SharePoint, done. I need to be able to keep track of what everybody's doing. All right. Well, there's other tools for that. So you put all that in place and then you present that back to your team and you tell them you, and you delegate different tasks and you say, you, you're responsible for that. You're, you're responsible for that. This person, you're responsible for that. You, you're going to be my communications person. All communication mm -hmm. flows through you. No one talks to me, but you. You handle all the communication from this person and that person. And I come to you. You're my single neck to choke. Everything falls on you. And then you guide the team. Now, everybody on the team has been given a task. Now you've already set the direction. You set the task. They know what's happening. The team now trusts you because you've given them guidance. You tell them exactly what they need to do. And you maintain face. You didn't cower. You didn't look nervous or scared. And then the dynamic of the team now shifts where you mm -hmm. go from being afraid. Now you have a confident team that is ready to tackle the situation at hand as opposed to being afraid of, of, of what just happened that was, uh, you know, unpredicted or, or came out of nowhere. Yeah. So I would say, you know, hearing all of that, and those are all great points, but as a leader, I feel like there's a lot that, that that leader is going through physically. So I guess when you're in a position making these decisions, looking for the single throat to choke and, um, and ensuring that the processes that you have in place are, are running as they should. I guess the other half of that and the other question I think most people want to know is like, what does a life work-life balance look like in a situation like that as being a leader? Is that so, something that... So the work-life balance. So this is a, it's funny because I, this is a question I ask uh, during interview processes to see how someone views 
uh, a work-life balance. Hmm. And I've always viewed work-life balance as not as not something that is uh, one individually isolated or one in and of itself, right? You know, when you truly enjoy what it is that you are doing, you find time to do the other things uh, that are outside of work. And there's a symbiotic, uh, you know, kind of flow to it where you have some folks who view work-life balance as, okay, well, if I worked eight hours today, I got to take eight hours the next day. That's how they view their work-life balance. For me, it's like, look, I'm working and I'm enjoying what I'm working. And then as I'm working, I find time in between to do other things. And it's just, it just flows. They're, they're in parallel mm. to, to one another. They move cohesively together. And, and it's not like I'm clocking in and I'm clocking out and this and that. Yeah. No, because it all, at the end of the day, it balances out. If I need, if I'm doing work and I need to take an hour to go do something else, I'm going to take that hour to go do something else. It doesn't matter. I don't. I don't need to say, okay, I worked one hour, so I need to take another hour. No. the The goal. I have a job to do. I have deadlines to hit. So the work life balance is okay. I'm organized. I'm prepped. I'm ready to go. I'm going to hit my target. If I need to take breaks in between, then I take breaks in between. As long as I hit my target, it doesn't really matter. I don't have to clock in and. and you know, meticulously write down how much time I dedicated mm. to my job. So now I got to okay. take 30 hours vacation because, you know, I gave them 30 dollars, 30 hours of overtime, extra unpaid time. No, yeah. I don't, I don't view it that way. Right. You, you need to be uh, very mindful of yourself and, and where, where your limits are physically, mentally and everything. So at the end of the day, what I always tell the team is that the work is still going to be there, whether you, you go for a pee break or a lunch break or, you call out sick, the work is it's going to be you there. You got to get it done. Yeah, exactly. You got to get yeah. it done. So if you need to relax and if you need to take a mental break, then take a mental break. But the team is trying to hit a target and we're going to hit that target. Mm-hmm. But don't don't make it a situation where it's like, because I work two hours more, I now have to take two hours off to make up for those two hours. That becomes too much work. It should just be a free-flowing, yeah. you know, you know yourself. If you're tired, then relax, rest up yeah. and get back to it. So yeah, that's how I view work-life balance, right? If my family, if we're going on vacation, then we're going on vacation. You know, I, I'll put my, my phone on mute. And if, if there's an emergency, my team knows where to find me, right? It's it's yeah. it's, it's not like something where it's like I'm, I'm so aggressively like, no, don't talk to me when I'm on vacation type of situation. Don't mm-hmm. do that. If it's an emergency and I'm the only one who knows how to do it, well, first off, there's a problem. That's I shouldn't problem. be the only one who knows how to do it. <laughs> yeah. So I have to fix that. There you go. I was, <laughs> so I was I about to, to highlight that. that. I was about to highlight you know, that. You I'll got have it. to fix that. You got it. But if it is a situation, I will deal with it. But when yeah. I get back, you better believe we're fixing that problem. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. And, awesome. and so I hope that answered your question. Definitely did. Yeah. And it gave us some tips on, on how to manage that situation. Because not a lot of because a lot of people, especially we talked last week about the millennial generation, right? And we're very inclined to have like this equality in work-life balance. So it's good to hear somebody who's really thinking about work-life balance where work is just part of your life and you can treat it as such, right? So same way, like if you were at home, if you were hungry, you would just go eat. You wouldn't have to say, okay, I I watch TV for an hour, so now I can eat for an hour. You just do it the way it flows to you, right? You're hungry, you go eat. So if you need rest, you go rest. If you need vacation, you go vacation. And you don't really worry about trying to counterbalance work and the rest of your life if you consider work as part of your life and you treat it as such. Which exactly. I, and that's and that's super interesting. And we're coming up on time here. So 
you know, you've been listening to the show and I appreciate that. I love that. I love that about <laughs> you. Um, even even when so you're no true. longer <laughs> trying to lead us, um, you give the feedback anyway. Um, and so at the end of the show, end of every show, we give those affirmations. <laughs> yeah, so affirmation. What's your affirmation? My affirmation is finish what matters and let go of what does not. Hmm. Mm. See how that was short? This guy's poetic now. Yeah. What, what does that? He cut off all the fat <laughs> off of his affirmation. When I do my affirmation, I got like a warm up. I got a drum roll. <laughs> I'm making jokes. <laughs> all right. Uh, buddy, go ahead. So why was that? Wait, why was that your affirmation though? Out of all the affirmations, it's pretty direct, but yeah. is there a reason um, why you chose that one? Yeah, there is a reason why I chose one because I, my, my entire motto in life, I, I go by one motto, is just get it done, mm. right? No matter what I'm doing, just get it done. Execute with a high degree of urgency and just get it done. If you go on my on my LinkedIn right now, it says it says it right there. <laughs> Execute with a high degree of urgency and, and or and you know and get it done. So finish what matters and let go of what yeah. does not, right? Because that's again, if you translate it, it just means get just get it done. I, I like that. that. I like that. Derek. Oh yeah, so mine this week is gonna be getting it done. My affirmation. I am highly inspired. I'm inspired. That's going to be my affirmation. I am definitely inspired by this man right here, Malachi, um, especially as a leader. Right. I, I think in, you know, as when we started the podcast, I was just coming into a role as uh, a leadership role at my company. So I look to, you know, people like Malachi to kind of give these insights and tidbits to help me become a better manager, because although I have the position I may not be the best at the position that I can currently be. And it's always good to reflect and be able to call on the people that you already know to kind of get that insight. And just by listening here, uh, listening to you here today, I'm definitely inspired to be a better leader tomorrow. So if any of my direct reports are listening, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Price is low. It's coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so I'll say my affirmation is I am grateful. Yeah. I am grateful for this exact reason right here. I have two people who I respect, you know, ultimately and highly um, for, for numerous reasons. And um, it's, it's awesome to be able to be on this platform, having this conversation, sharing this time um, um, with, with Derek and Malachi. Malachi, you helped me negotiate my first job out of college. You know, when I got mm. that, you know, first offer letter, I was like, hey, man, it's my offer. He's like, dude, you got to negotiate that. You got more experience. <laughs> you know, that's for someone that doesn't have any experience. You've been working here, right? You've had co-ops and internships elsewhere. You got to leverage that. Weren't you getting that amount at your co-op? <laughs> you got to do better, man. So I was like, really? You know, because, you know, coming out of college, you just want to get a job, you know? Um, So he challenged it and then gave me the confidence that I needed to you know, to speak up for myself, to understand the value that I brought to the company. And that's allowed me to grow in so many different ways and connect with people in a more intentional way as well. So definitely grateful. And all I can say is thank you, good brother. I love that, hey, man. I love that. That's, that's beautiful. With that, <laughs> hit it. Hit it.